On this episode of Whale Cave, Lorraine Newman talks about her love of EDM and what it's like to meet a beetle. Host Matt Price also explains why it has taken him an entire year to release a new episode. Whale Cave finally starts again, now. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in, for downloading this. This is Whale Cave. My name is Matt Price, the host of this here podcast. Really excited to have with me today Lorraine Newman, one of the original Not Ready for Primetime players on Saturday Night Live. Also the voice of a million things, uh, everything from uh, Metalocalypse, Fairly Odd Parents. She was a voice on Wall. She's just all over the place. Um, you can also see her on stuff like The Birthday Boys and... Uh, comedy bang bang she's really um omnipresent i would say and i feel very lucky to have her here today to talk about music she's a huge music fan and uh really 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 cool to talk to her so very grateful that she's here um speaking of talking to people okay so here's the thing this is my first whale cave in about a year and some people have written in i'm not gonna lie not a million <laughs> But some people, fans of the show, because I did the show for about a year, and uh, then I took a year off. I like to go year on year. I'm like the madman of podcasts. Um, I was off for about a year, and I just figured before I got into it, uh, I would explain what happened. It's really nothing that super dramatic. I just was working a lot and performing a lot, and uh, you know, I'm really into tanning now. I got no that no that part's not true i mean yeah that's actually there's nothing true about that uh but uh, well cave has always been a labor of love for me and something that when i started i was like i was talking to matt belknap who's also sitting right here i should say hello hey hey matt how's it going (laughs) how's it going pretty good you're breaking Um, the fourth wall that was like a monologue that just turned into a this is different duologue why not you know um new season of whale cave yeah i'm excited things things are different but i but i did want to say um you know it was fun to come in um i loved coming in and doing whale caves we had some great people Mm -hmm. in the first go around paul tompkins and kindler and uh jimmy pardo and and of course you talked about new kids on the block that was very (laughs) exciting yeah who who could forget that uh classic app not a lot of people although that was the last one i did (laughs) Oh no! But I mean, after that, you're like, this isn't. Uh, I'm gonna take a year off. <laughs> yeah, I can't. But daily Besser, like, just a lot of my favorite people came in. Yeah. Um, great stories, and I love doing it. It just happened to be something that I couldn't keep up. I guess mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's great that I couldn't keep it up, but I, you know, whatever. But you, but you also don't have to apologize for it. I'm not. I, I didn't say I'm sorry. Good. Yeah, I'm not, don't. I'm not. <laughs> in the apologies podcast <laughs> which i do on another podcast network <laughs> right. mattpriceisapologies.com um having said all of that uh i always wanted to come back and do some more mm-hmm. so it's cool to be back um there's some great guests some great stories lined up uh so i'm excited i'm really excited to do some more me too uh, here's what i'm going to say though now i'm going to put another caveat on the whole thing i'm looking at so i'm going to release them every two weeks Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm looking at doing like six more. Sounds good. And then I'll see. At it's that like point. a British series, like it's like The yeah. Office. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about quantity; it's about quality. You drop six 
yeah. Hot Tracks. It's like an EP. It's an EP, <laughs> exactly. It's it's an EP. It's you know this is a podcast about music, so it's it's also like you know this is my album right now. Mm-hmm. You know the first album was like a double album. Yeah. You know, it was like Frampton comes alive. That first one. It was like Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> And I toured with it for a while. <laughs> right. And now I'm back. I'm dropping this. And uh, we'll see how this one does. Mm-hmm. And we'll go. Maybe I'll drop another double. Maybe I'll put out a single. <laughs> sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but but whatever it is, I'm really excited. And for the listeners who have um, uh, who were curious about it, thanks so much for being curious and um, and you know wanting me to do more. And for new listeners... Um, thanks for listening. I hope you like this one. And you can also, there's a, you know, obviously there's a backlog of these on iTunes. Um, and I mentioned some of the guests. There are many more. So please check those out. If you have any questions or anything, you can email me, matt at whalecave.com. And the Twitter, the Twitter handle is at whalecave, appropriately. But that's really it. That's all I want to say. Thanks again. Um, and let's talk to Lorraine Newman. Okay, I'm sitting here with Lorraine Newman. Lorraine, thank you for being on Whale Cave. It is my pleasure anytime I get to talk with two incredibly cool guys, <laughs> young men oh. that I can be around that are actually interested in what I have to say about anything. We're so interested. I'm down. Yeah. Matt's, Matt's a little younger. But, yeah. It's true, but I'm, I'm going to be 40 this summer. Oh, uh, well, so okay. Amateur. We're all the same. <laughs> We're on the same boat then. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for being here. We met at a storytelling show, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought it was your story was hilarious. And also, um, uh, you posted recently about Skrillex. Oh yeah, live streaming from Red Rock. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that Lorraine's posting about Skrillex. Yeah, I love Skrillex. Um, and I want to talk about that. Your love of Skrillex. Well, what do you actually? Let's talk about what. What do you have? You seen Skrillex live five times? Have you really? Yes, I first saw him at uh, Coachella in 2011. Wow! And something about it spoke to me. I, you know, somebody was asking me why, mm-hmm. and I, I can only say that uh, EDM and dubstep. It just makes me happy, and I found that you know I've been going to Coachella for like eight years now. And I'm just gravitating. And those of you who are like veterans of Coachella, you <laughs> understand what I'm saying. I'm always at the safari tent because basically that's the dubstep tent. And it's like, not that I don't love the other bands that are there because I really do. But basically, I'm just attracted to EDM now and Dylan Francis and uh, Excision Um just uh, and I've found you know I just troll on iTunes for for bands and have discovered a lot of bands that I love and then I've found this uh, festival called Hard Summer mm-hmm. so I've been going to that which my uh, now nineteen year old informed me she says mom you know that's a rave <laughs> I was like what <laughs> I never. Yeah. <laughs> And As actually, you're holding a glow stick in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, my kids, whenever they imitate me talking, it sounds like Julia Child. <laughs> and one year I was telling my older daughter, you know, uh, that I saw some girl with these gloves with, like, lights at the end of them. 
and she says, oh, you mean, honey, uh, they were those, that's called gloving, which is actually considered a sport now, I swear to God. Um, Wearing the gloves is it's, it's called. I glo- think that they're no, not a sport, but they have contests now for, okay. for gloving. Okay, which I think is a beautiful thing. Sure, but I, I was telling her, I just it was so nice, honey, because <laughs> she was doing this kind of light show with her with her lighted gloves for some guy, and then someone tapped her on the shoulder and wanted her to do it for them and she did it for them and it was just like for fun or for free it was just it was so thoughtful and she was like yeah mom they were on ecstasy <laughs> it's like oh so is she with you when you go to coachella do you guys go together or the, are you well, are you that, like later i'm gonna be in the safari tent well, exactly <laughs> well the first year i went was in 2006 mm-hmm. and um my now 22 year old was 14 and there was a station 103.1, I think, uh, Indy, right. which no longer exists. Yeah. yeah. And they advertised this event, and she wanted to go. And at the time, she was in this uh, brace for uh, scoliosis. And uh, we thought that the only option was to camp out. And I was thinking, really? You know, with the fucking brace and everything? <laughs> no, there's no way. Besides, I was not down for camping out because I am a Jew. <laughs> and so I found, you know, I, I talked to my friend Michael Tolkien, name dropping, but I went to high school with him. The and, screenwriter. Yes. Cool. And, um, well, here's a side note, Six Degrees of SNL and your show of shows. Um, I went to Beverly Hills High School, not my fault. And uh, four years before that, Rob Reiner, you know. Yeah. Carl Reiner's son went there, and um, and then Michael Tolkien, whose father also wrote on your show of shows, and then my older daughter went to Wildwood with Jake Reiner, and they become friends. Oh, wow. ah. So there's that you know kind of connection, and then like apropos of nothing, my my daughter Lena is skateboarding in Hancock Park on a street that she had no business being on. Runs into another girl skateboarding. They become friends. Emma Tolkien. Oh, wow. So that's who she was kind of with at that first year at Coachella. She's rolling with the Tolkiens. Rolling with the Tolkiens. <laughs> Got it. So they recommended La Quinta. So that was the hotel, and that is the hotel to stay at because it's the closest to the venue. So the first year I went there, my phone was so ancient it didn't text. Plus, the cell reception there is terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, texts take like a half an hour to reach anybody. But I found myself the whole time going, you're what? You're where? You're where? Uh, oh, you're going to hear fucked up, so I'll be at Barakaslam Sistema. And, you know, it was just <laughs> awful. So I finally got a phone that texted. But um, that first year, I realized, well, I'm going to be there by myself. Because they're, you know, they're off, and as well it should be. But I loved it. I set foot on the Empire Polo Fields, and it was this vast field of grass with all these art installations, these interactive art installations, and these tents with all sorts of... At the time, I, I think they uh, figured out that the, the enclosed tents were not a good idea in that heat. <laughs> uh, but there was one tent that had dubstep in it, and... The furniture, there was actual furniture, was in the shape of like mushrooms 
and you know logs but it was just foam stuff but it was really artfully done so it was supposed to be like a jungle and it was incredible it was so magical and you know i was complete i'm you know i've not been high since 1987 but i was like totally like high in a natural (laughs) way and um it was just enchantment for me and it has been ever since that's why i keep going so that's how you literally discovered that whole genre. You just stumbled in, and yeah, next exactly. thing you know, you're mm-hmm. sitting on a mushroom <laughs> chair. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That but seems like the best part of Coachella, that you is. just kind of stumble in. and It is. And so, you know, when I go to these uh, dubstep things, I'm just kind of in my own little world because, you know, the ground is uneven. If I dance, I'll fall on my ass. Mm-hmm. I will. So I'm just kind <laughs> of, you know, have my arms kind of around myself and just in my own little, you know, four square area. And one time when I was at Hard Summer, uh, some guy tapped me on the shoulder and he said, are you on ecstasy? <laughs> and I was like, no, I just don't want to fall on my ass. <laughs> And then I showed, at the time, I had, like, the Skrillex emblem on my phone case, and I just showed it to him, and his, his friends were like, oh, dude, you know, <laughs> so. She's one of us. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I have this, because I am a human oddity at these events, these, especially, like, uh, you know, Hard Summer, if I want to get up close, I just put this worried look on my face, and I go, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, and I get right up front like I'm looking for my kid. So that works. It's awesome. It's but the, it just it's makes the equivalent me happy. of like she's going to throw up. Like it's yeah, that, exactly. it's Where's my kid? Yeah, awesome. Robbie. Yeah, but I oh, can't find him. I guess just, I'll just stay right here. I love it. I love, love, love that music, and I it just makes me happy. But I went one of the places I went to see Skrillex was at the Hollywood Palladium. Mm. And uh, again, looked at like a human oddity. But I realized that I had seen David Bowie's Spiders from Mars tour there at as the well. Palladium. Yeah. So there's the span. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's quite a span. It's a couple years. <laughs> couple. Have you been on that cruise? I know there's that EDM cruise. I've heard of that. Jeremy. Germany? Kind of Jeremy. Oh, it's too... Okay. A little Jeremy. Okay. I, thought that, I thought that was the name of the cruise. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good band name, but... Uh, or the no. captain. I thought the captain... There wouldn't be enough the... Purell. It's like yeah. Jeremy Reiner's the captain. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually Rob's <laughs> nephew. <laughs> I had a friend who went on the cruise and, oh, and, and said it was... Tell me everything. She, she just said it was pretty pretty incredible. Because I was like, that's... Because I get just very claustrophobic, mm-hmm. and I don't like to be around <laughs> the same people on a ship... Yeah, you know, and so I just I could, and just the idea of that, and just the same sort of, you know, dropping the bass and seeing the same people at the buffet. I don't How know. How long is it? Is it three it days? A, it was, uh, yeah, it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Just three or four days, I think. I assume there are different ones now, but these were big DJs. Yeah, that you I've, saw. I've seen like you know on YouTube footage of you mm-hmm. know like they'll have Dylan Francis on one. I've, I saw footage of him on one of those. Yeah, I don't know if Cascade was on one. I don't know if he's in the same. Mm-hmm. Ballpark. Oh, he is absolutely. But he, uh, it, it seemed like a, a rip roaring good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. They had and they had mushroom seats. <laughs> well, <laughs> right the in the port bow. Complete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of the years that I uh, went to Coachella, I had wangled my VIP pass because I, 
I used to be able to get them because I had pimped out my younger daughter. Her her friend's father was a rock manager, so we would get VIP parking, VIP all-access wristbands. And that no longer worked um, because they moved away. And so I pitched uh, an idea to L.A. Times Magazine to write an article, like a human interest, me and my daughter going together, and they bought it. But um, Golden Voice, I don't think, really understood the nature of what I was writing. So they said, well, we want you to interview some of the, the bands for the article. And I was like, well, I really, that's not what the article, I'm not, yeah, but <laughs> no, I'm not a you. rock journalist, but. I've always wanted to be a rock journalist, so I ended up, uh, they, they said, we want you to interview Cascade, and I'd never heard his music before, so I did my due diligence. Like a journalist would. And I ended up interviewing Ryan Radden, but I, I felt bad because there was no place for me to put what I had, you know, what I eventually ended up writing, so I just put it on my website. Yeah, you gotta but be was, true to your work. It was a work. great experience. Um, yeah, you said you always wanted to be a rock journalist because you grew up, you, like you said, you went to Beverly Hills High School, you grew up in L.A. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, in a thriving, I mean, I think L.A. has obviously always been a thriving music. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, the, you said you hung out, you know, it was like. <clears throat> nobody was into the kind of music I was into. And so, you know, I would go places by myself. And what is now the improv used to be a club called the Ash Grove. And every band... You know, on Melrose? All, that, yeah. yeah uh, if you saw that movie Cadillac Records, you know, Willie Dixon, Muddy Waters, mm-hmm, Howlin' yeah. Wolf, Etta James, I saw all of them live. Wow. I was friends with Etta James, actually. But, um, you know, Taj Mahal, uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, all those people, Sam and Dave. At the Whiskey, you could see the Ike and Tina Turner Review. Mm. Um, Joe Tex at the Parisian Club. Oh, God, who else did I see? I'm mean, just you, this was a this was the place you could see, and I've seen the Beatles twice live. Whoa! You know, Hollywood Bowl and Dodger Stadium, and oh my God, I, I just I promised myself that I would not scream and cry <laughs> like those ninnies on Ed Sullivan. Uh-huh. Just forget it. I, right. you know, when I held my binoculars up. <laughs> And saw the actual sweat going down John Lennon's face. I lost it. Yeah. I just don't know what came over me, but I just lost it. powerful sweat. Yeah, it was was powerful sweat. Was that? I I always wonder about them live because when you see a recording, usually all you can hear is the screaming. Could you enjoy the concert? Could you enjoy their music? Or was it more of just an experience of insanity? Well, you know, everybody has their own individual feeling about it but i did love their music and you could hear it okay cool that's good to hear because i was sometimes i think like well that wasn't really a great live experience probably because it was just a lot of screaming yeah yeah i mean it's points it was annoying because you couldn't hear sometimes but some of it cut through oh that's good cool and that was their only i mean they didn't come here i mean they only came here like twice right i mean you probably saw them the I, times they came, I believe. Yeah, they stopped. Tour- they act their window of touring right. in the United States wasn't wasn't very long. I'm going to say I think. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I know that there was uh, some sort of fundraiser uh, because someone posted pictures of it on the Beverly Hills High School website from our class, which was 1970, and. Uh, it was like meet the Beatles at this fundraiser, and there's pictures of people from my class. I knew nothing about this, and the, the uh, I think the uh, 
the fee for the fundraiser was twenty five dollars. <laughs> wow! So I could have gotten in on yeah. that, <laughs> but I didn't. You could hold John Lennon's sweat for thirty dollars. Exactly, you could have bottled yeah. it into just a, a little bile eyedropper. <laughs> but so when you were going, you were. When you were seeing Etta James and going the whiskey, were you, you were in high school at that time? I was time? in high school, wow. and you know, um, I really don't know how I got in. I just think because of the size of my nose, I looked older than I was. <laughs> no one ever checked my ID, so it was okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I have a three-year-old daughter, so I'm already wondering how I'm going to negotiate her wanting to go to like. Go with her. I mean... Lincoln Park or whomever. <laughs> <laughs> um, my daughter, Lena, was into this band of Montreal. I just saw yeah. a documentary. There's a new documentary about yeah, them. Yeah, I'm dying to see I that. It, it looks two nights so ago. interesting. You saw the documentary? Mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. looks so good. It just came out on Tuesday. I'm, I'm right on the cutting edge. <laughs> well, this yeah. was 2006 that we saw them at the Echoplex. Oh, that must have been amazing. It was. I mean, there were four bands on the bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was this great rap group called uh, um, Grand Buffet. Mm-hmm. And their their album was fantastic. They were so good. I, I wish that they were making more music. Grand Buffet? Grand Buffet. Um, of Montreal was great. The Echoplex, not so much at the time. I mean, it's still kind of a toilet. But at the time... It's tiny. It it's just was like, you know, the floor looked like part of the sidewalk <laughs> and it just the toilets as i recall were outhouses on platforms with curtains for doors it was really a dump <laughs> i mean it should have really been club code violation that's what it sh- and there was no sign there was no actual sign indicating that it was a club at all hmm. so it was very frustrating the whole experience of trying to get there but of montreal the lead singer came out in a wedding dress mm-hmm. But they were great. Their sound, I, I absolutely love their sound. Yeah, I was just singing in the car, actually. The, I sort of forgot about them a little bit, and then I saw the documentary, and I didn't know. I mean, I've never seen them live, but mm-hmm. I, I really want to, because it just seems insane. Yeah, my daughter His performance know, has great taste. She, she really turned me on to a lot of great comics and a lot of great bands. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so when you go with her to shows, this is good for me to learn... She's cool. Is it is it a sitcom situation where she's like, I'm going to be over here? Oh yeah, with Susie. Okay, yeah. so it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're alone. You're you know hugging yourself or what? <laughs> I am hugging myself to keep from falling yeah. over. Robbie, you're doing yeah. that. <laughs> Robbie. Yeah. Robbie. Okay, that's good to know. But yeah. you guys bond over it. it. It's not a in a way. I mean, she's. It's not that bad. She doesn't hate me too much. She didn't hate me too much at the time. I think you know, <laughs> if right. I ca- if I do say so myself, I did have a little <laughs> cool factor for her. Sure, absolutely. I think she she did like the fact that she, that I appreciated. I mean, how many kids could actually share bands with or and comedians with their parents, and their parents actually liked it? Right. You know. That's what was. That's what's also fascinating to me because I've talked about this before. But how, like, my dad never played me any music with people singing. I mean, it was always either classical. I mean, maybe if it was like a, like a, you know, like some Hebrew band, <laughs> like you know what I mean? <laughs> Klezmer. Like, yeah, it was like a klezmer uh, band. But my mom and the only things I hear from my mom are like more AM radio. Mm-hmm. You know, like seventies, like like a like amazing people like Carol King and mm-hmm. you know James Taylor, but. Uh, not stuff I listen to now. 
But I like to think of myself as like, oh, I'll take my daughter to see, you know, whatever, Skrillex. <laughs> uh, although I probably wouldn't. I'm not that cool. But like, you know, Arcade Fire, like what I think is is cool. So I'm glad it, c- it can work out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want her to, I want that to be a bonding thing. Yeah. Well, so my, it can be. It is. My younger daughter shows my texts to her friends because it's like, you know, I've, Skrillex is, I, I got us tickets for Hard Summer. And she's like, Look what my mom just texted me, you know, and yeah, so it's that's cool. It's does she appreciate the the stuff that you grew up like the, the Etta James, like the classic stuff, or does she? Kind of- uh, I don't try and share that with her because uh, she doesn't solicit it, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's solicited. So you, have you? You've never. I find myself already, my daughter's three, but I find myself foisting my tastes <laughs> upon her. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be like, hey, there's uh, uh, the Backyardigans CD is broken, but the, w- this Wilco is pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> no, I mean, I never, I never showed the kids any of my work, and consequently, they have not seen it. Hmm. Um, is that true? They've never seen any of it? I, I imagine they have, but if they have, I've never... It's not been on your, by your design. No, it hasn't. Mm-mm. No. Um, Do they ask you about the like SNL and those days? And- uh, they haven't. They haven't really asked mm-hmm. me that much about it. Um, I'm always surprised when I find out that they've seen anything because mm-hmm. they haven't told me. Mm-hmm. I think they're more interested in the current stuff. And I can't blame them. <laughs> sure. You know, uh, I think that um, I was so excited when like the first five years came out, you know, and I was like, took it out, put it in the player, you know, I sat down and was like, wow, that, that's not funny. That's really not funny. You know, and I, I just kind of equate some, I mean, there's some things that are absolutely timeless and it really are funny, but then there are other things that it's like, things just evolve, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I look at it like the Olympics, you know, what some gymnasts did in the 60s. It's like, look at what gymnasts right. can do right, now, right. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's how I see it. <laughs> she did a somersault. Yeah. <laughs> ten. <laughs> ten. <Yeah>. Ten. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Although I thought a lot of it was very funny. Yeah. As I said, there are certain things yeah. that are absolutely timeless. I think the, the character-driven stuff holds up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back, th- were you, because I want to talk about your early, um, like, j- I still, like, Growing up here and all the music, but since we're talking about SNL, did, did your love of music? Did you interact at all with the the people that came on? Because I feel like that was such a, a musician. I'm, I'm speaking. Yeah, I know. I know that's what you're asking. Um, uh, it just depended if I was like a, a goofy fan, right? You know. Um, but then it's like I'm not starstruck because I grew up in Los sure. Angeles. You know, in, in Beverly Hills, we lived across the street from Groucho Marx, down the street from Kirk oh, really? Douglas. Wow. You know, around the corner from Edgar Bergen, and you know, during Christmas you would see Cary Grant and Fred Astaire at, at Carol and Company. I mean, my friends were children of movie stars, so I'm not starstruck with okay. actors, but with musicians. I am very starstruck. Oh, for sure. And, you know, like when David Bowie did our show, mm-hmm. my best friend from from middle school was Tony Sales. He and I were best friends, and he was in their band. And Joey Arias was a friend from the Groundlings, and he was in their band. Wow. But I still couldn't talk to David Bowie. I just couldn't do it. So the answer is 
no. Right. I, I really, and also I didn't have time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's a good, we were talking about this with another guest uh, last week about David Bowie specifically seems like he's from another planet. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's like you don't want to talk to him and find out that he's a person because then that's, that shatters the, the, <laughs> right. of the image, you know? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. So even you maybe felt that, which is yeah. amazing because you were pretty close. Like you were right there and that was in the heyday, but still, I mean, maybe he seemed more like an alien then, but now he's such a legend that's like uh, even beyond. Well, he was such a, he was an, he was almost immediately an iconic figure. Yeah. And now he is, yeah, just a legendary iconic figure. <laughs> yeah, right. He just added to it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, if he was just asking, like, does anyone know where the bathroom is? <laughs> yeah. I do remember <laughs> talking belly, to Keith Richards and Mick Jagger because I, one of the first singles I ever bought was Not Fade Away by the mm. Stones, which I, because I had never, I was too young to know about uh, Buddy Holly. So I didn't know it was their, his song. I thought it was theirs. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'd never heard guitar playing like Keith Richards. And, of course, I didn't know who Chuck Berry was because I was too young. <laughs> so uh, I asked him about – I asked Keith Richards about the guitar playing. And I said, this is probably a really stupid <laughs> question. And Mick Jagger said, don't say that. It's not stupid. stupid question. There are no stupid questions. <laughs> you know, and I just – we talked about music, which was, like, so super thrilling to me. Oh, Yeah. Did you, what did you guys talk about? I can't remember. Okay. It was 40 years ago. You weren't hearing it. You were just yeah. like, you just saw it. I was actually in shock as I was talking. Yeah. That would have been amazing. You'll hear I can't remember a lot during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Yeah, I didn't have an exciting younger life, but I don't remember much of it either. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't doing anything. and I still have big holes in my... Except all the time you hung out with Mick Jagger. <laughs> well... It's hard to forget. Yeah. He told me that there were, I don't know if you ever heard this, there's no stupid question. <laughs> That's what he said to me. He'd always tell me That's that. That's memorable. <laughs> yeah. When we hung out, yeah. he, he told me the same thing. Well, he was my therapist for a while. So, <laughs> you know. He would, I bet, not knowing or whatever <clears throat> will meet Mick Jagger, I bet he'd be a great therapist. I don't know why. He seems very soothing when I see <laughs> interviews with him. He should write a book of affirmations. Calm. Totally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'd read that. Jagger's Daggers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Nick, if you're listening, please. <laughs> that's more of like, that's his USA Today column. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that like would little, be more like... quips. Yeah, Jagger's Daggers. <laughs> well, Look, I had, Donald Trump. I had an interaction with George Harrison, which went back to like my teenage years when the Beatles <clears throat> were going to appear at the Hollywood Bowl. And for like a month before... Casey Kasem, who was the DJ on KRLA, he had received some letter from a girl, and I cannot remember her name, let's say it's Penelope, and it was Penelope's letter about meeting George Harrison about, she was trying to get through a barricade to just, you know, talk to him, because she loved him, and, you know, one of the bodyguards was saying, no, no, you can't get through, and he broke away from the bodyguard and came over and said, you know, that's all right, and hugged her. George hugged her. Okay. Mm. So he read this letter every hour on the hour for a month <laughs> to, you know, to the uh, sound, to a, a musical version of And I Love Her with bongos in it. Okay. Just an instrumental. Just an instrumental okay. version of And I Love Her. <laughs> oh, you know, like an elevator version sure. of And I mm-hmm. Love Her. Music. Music. So cut to <clears throat> George Harrison. <clears throat> is doing SNL 
And I, we're doing rehearsal that week, and I walk down to the makeup room, and he's sitting in a makeup chair, and he bounces out of the makeup chair and comes over and hugs me. And all I'm thinking about is that fucking <laughs> Casey Kasem thing with the music, you know, until he backs up and then, you know, like needle scratch on the record. He says, Eric Idle says you give good head, <laughs> which I'm sure he thought was an icebreaker. But it was like, I, <laughs> what? Wait. You know, I was just so embarrassed. But Whoa. Yeah. Smooth talker. But why did he hug me? That was just so random. But I, I, was, I thought you were going to say he thought you were Penelope from the barricade. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Penelope, good to see uh, you. I apologize. It's been a long time. <laughs> oh, man. George, maybe my... Well, I'm a John fan. I am too. But George. Yeah. George hugged me. That's, man, God. that is great. That's great. But John said hi to me in the hall. He in, did. I've told the story 50,000 times, but... I had come again. from a photo session <laughs> with Scavulo, who was a big photographer at the time. He, he photographed all the people for the cover of Cosmopolitan. And uh, I had come up with this idea to be... I was totally into vampires before anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I had custom-made fangs and everything. So I had all this makeup on. And I was going to read through. Jill Clayburgh was the host. And as I'm walking to the elevators out of my peripheral vision, I see these two figures and they come into focus. And it's John and Yoko. And as they're passing, John says, hi, Lorraine. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, all the saliva has gone in my mouth. I mean, I, I couldn't even respond. I was so shocked. Yeah. You know, so I, I just I didn't say anything back to him. I was just like in the elevator. And I wanted to scream, John said hi to me in the hall. <laughs> but I realized that that's something you say in high school. John said hi to me in the hall. So just didn't say anything. Oh, man. Wow. It's like he knew my name. Yeah. That is insane. That is insane. That's what TV does. That is what TV does. God bless it. <laughs> um, wow. That's mind-blowing. It is. But now it's like, you know, when I'm in a... A red carpet line is like, uh, what's your name? Okay. <laughs> so what about, let's, let's finish, let's round it out. What about Ringo and Paul? Any? Uh, I've never met Paul. Really? I've met Ringo. Because isn't, Lauren is good friends with, with yes. Paul, right? So I always yeah. thought that he was around, maybe he wasn't around at that time, but back no, in those days. No, he wasn't. But yeah. uh, I have never, he's the only Beatle I have not met. Huh. Still time. There's still time. <laughs> you might say hi. To, you, you might be out in this hall. Actually, he's yeah. waiting for me. <laughs> hey, Lorraine. <laughs> um, but Ringo, you've met Ringo. I have met. Everybody's Ringo. met Ringo. Uh, a friend of mine is his manager, or he was. I don't know if he still is. Well, also you do. I mean, you do a lot of voices. Yes, a lot of animation. Doesn't he do? I, I write for the Cartoon Network, but I oh. I thought he he just did something for. Powerpuff Girls. For some reason, I thought he did more. I did not know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's great. I didn't How know if cool. you met in those circles. Um, but no, apparently no. not. Oh, but I heard that they're redoing Powerpuff Girls. That's so great. So he he did something in it recently. Um, Tara Strong is is a friend of mine, and she's we're at the same agency. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's all coming together. Small yeah. world. It mm -hmm. is. It's just a I feel much closer to the Beatles hammering. right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you and Paul together. 
For sure. Yeah. I feel like that's Let's make it happen. That's the next step. Have you seen him? Have you gone to a or you're not you're into Skrillex. You don't care about yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Solo There's concert. no edge. Oh man. You can't see what I'm doing right now. You're, can you? Yeah, that you're being polite. Yeah. <laughs> um that's interesting though because I think I was looking at some of the people that were on SNL in the in the I mean, it's different now. I feel like back then, because the show was, I think, more cutting edge than it is now. The guests, the musical guests were too. We're risky, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish to God. I, You know, I'll tell you something, though. I called Lorne after uh, seeing the Black Keys at Coachella when they were, mm-hmm. like, you know, not on the main stage, when they were in one of the tents. And I said, you have got to have this band on. You've got to have him on. He was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and now he's had him on three times in one year. I have never seen a band on three times, let alone in one year. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had just listened to me, you know, <laughs> but they still have never had a dubstep band on ever. That's coming, I'm sure. Well, it better. I'm sure. <laughs> Cascade's never been on? I don't think so. I see mm. all the shows. I, I love watching the show, and I, I've mm. never seen a, a dubstep band on. Okay. I'll make a few calls. <laughs> Will you? Yeah. Because I'm anxious to yeah. see it happen. I'll call the music supervisor. Yeah. Whomever that may be. Yes. Um, but I was thinking, because when you said Paul, like he wasn't, I mean, you know, I love Paul McCartney, if you're listening, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I wouldn't consider him an edgier, right. you know, John Lennon back then. Yes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah, now it seems like it's flipped where they just they wait until the band gets big and then they yeah. have right. them on. Yeah. Uh, your Bruno Marses, right? Your other Kelly Clarkson's, mm-hmm. you know, your Britneys, your Britneys. <laughs> Would that have ever happened? Did you ever have some weird, like, very poppy? Like, it felt like a, a label or somebody just pushed a band onto the show that was like not cool and nobody liked, or or was it very much like no? no this is what we're I doing. mean, you know, we had Devo. Who ever heard of Devo? Yeah. Right. We had um, Patty Smith and I. Actually, I think Patty Smith was oddly enough more established. But oh, was she? Yeah, we had Leon Redbone. Who ever heard of him? <laughs> and I remember when we had ABBA, we thought Dick Ebersole had lost his mind. <laughs> and this, their sound was great, yeah. you know. But we had, nobody had ever heard of a Swedish band. That's cool. Like Sweden had a rock band, <laughs> right. you know? What the hell? Oh, that was before. You, oh, you, oh, that nobody. was before they were. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we. I assume that was sort of like the Bruno Mars of the time. That oh, let's Abba was let's not, have him play Waterloo. Nobody ever heard of Abba when they were on our show. That's crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of what other bands were on that. Well, the uh, fam- the one I remember. I mean, there are a million, but like I remember, like Simon and Garfunkel was basically they, over. Like yeah, that they was were the, various. That was a tense. But yeah, but that was a tense. Yeah, they were broken up. By yeah, them, for sure. It yeah. looked awkward. Yeah. But like you'd be like Gil like Scott couples, Heron. Couples counseling. It really was. <laughs> yeah, Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, this yeah. is the last time we'll be here. Yeah. It's my fault. And Elvis Costello. He, sure. he was pretty new, but mm-hmm. he was a, he was established, I think. Like Taj Mahal. Now we're just listing people. <laughs> but you mentioned Taj Mahal. Like, no, I mean, you know. He was, I don't think he was on our show. He wasn't? No, but Ry Cooter was. Okay. Mm, Great musician. Yeah. Oh. They did it right. They did. You told, I think when we, I saw your show, or the show we did at Flappers in Burbank, uh, you told a story, I think you had a, was it, did you tell a story, or maybe I just heard it, you tell it another time, like you had a birthday party, and you played a lot of music, 
That's oh, the, and Billy was the DJ? Maybe that's what it was. You it was just, no, yeah, it was I, just... It was interesting. I don't know. I, that's when I thought... You mentioned you had all these 45s and... Yeah, well, Billy, when there was something in the... Billy tells a story that I didn't have a big selection, and I will kill him for saying that because I have a great... 45 collection and Mitch Glazer who was also at that party marveled at my 45 collection so fuck you Billy <laughs> God yeah you heard it here in Whale Cave yeah, so. but that's what it, I don't know who Billy is I'm just gonna admit it <laughs> Bill Murray oh wow oh yeah sorry I thought you were talking about the storytelling show I thought it was like the guy no, who ran the um, show I oh, had no. a birthday party I did okay. I think it, you told it was it was one of those kind of times where everybody that was invited came Mm -hmm. and it was like steve martin sam kinnison eric idol michael palin uh gilda danny billy lorn penny marshall john lovitz well this was when john was still in the groundlings phil hartman when he was still in the groundlings because these were my friends who were just like Agog, you know. Um, gosh, I'll, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of people. Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you know, I, I mean, really, it was the kind of thing where we just pushed all the furniture aside. We made a, a ton of sandwiches and bought a bunch of sodas and played records and everybody danced. It was really a great party. But, um, and... Angelica and my friend Lynn and Layla bought me a dog. Oh. <laughs> they bought me a dog. I just want you to think about that. They gave me a dog. <laughs> did, they, did you want a dog? I did, I did not want any responsibility. The dog, so became, you didn't want a dog. <laughs> became my life after that, of yeah. course. It was a miniature dachshund. I mean, just... You know, it took over my life. I started lactating when I looked at it. You know, so it was that cute. But at the time, I was pissed. Sure. Yeah. 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 So they just they gave you this dog. Yeah. And just say, here you go. Yeah, and I named it Rycooter. I named the dog huh. Rycooter. Good name. That's a really good dog name. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Rycooter. Um, did you become a dog person after that? I've always been a dog oh, person. Okay. I just didn't want the responsibility of a dog because I only, I it was enough to take care of me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I didn't even want a house plant. Well, yeah, dogs much more responsibility. Yeah, I I had to grow up. Well, good. Well, good. Hey. <laughs> Jagger's Daggers always says, <laughs> "Grow up on page already." Twenty six. Grow, grow up. Here's a dog. <laughs> on page twenty six. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to grow up, just get a dog. <laughs> yeah, I want Jagger's Daggers. I want to hear him just read Jagger's Daggers. Yeah. I don't really want to buy an audio book. Jagger's Daggers. Let's should have pitch a podcast. it. Let's do it. Let's pitch it to him. Let's call Scholastic. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good random house? Yeah, Scholastic. <laughs> What's a good Scholastic? Maybe that's more of textbooks. You yeah. think it should be? You think Pendant. it should be in school? That's the public. This yeah. is like this For is going to be sure. middle school yeah. all the way. Like eighth totally. graders will read it's this. Jagger. Yeah, yeah. Ladies, when it comes to that special time, <laughs> like telling women how to do it. When your friend arrives. <laughs> yeah, it can be any whatever it is. Yeah. Jaggers, Jaggers for ladies. It can be anything. It can be a whole series. Yeah. It's like chicken soup. <laughs> Jaggers, Jaggers. <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's chicken soup for oh the soul. Jaggers, Jaggers. This is huge, guys. It is. 
We, we got to get we this cr- to him somehow. We cracked you have somehow. a relationship. Let's let's make this happen. Yeah. You said I'll he, remember that conversation yeah, we had totally. 40 years ago. He probably doesn't talk to a lot of people about music. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure he'll be like, oh, finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like all of our different accents from Mick Jagger, too. Exactly. Yeah, I, I apologize for from my... Your yours is a little Scottish, to, uh, yeah. Manchester, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Trust me. I'm, I'm, my British accent's always just a knockoff of like... Maybe Paul McCartney, maybe <laughs> right. like a Simpsons. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other music you're listening to right now, other than uh, you, dubstep? Obviously, you've got a mm, you've got that lockdown. Like, do you see a lot of shit? You use one with your daughter. I know you go with your daughter to see. Is there I anything mean, else like you go? Well, I mean, it is just different EDM bands. I, mm-hmm. I there's a great club in Santa Ana called the Observatory. The Observatory. I've never it's heard of it. It's a fantastic venue. I mean, you don't walk out with your ears bleeding. Uh, and it's a great place to hear dubstep because it's not so loud. And it, it's, you know, it's not so huge that you get trampled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, is that the last live show I saw? It might be for music. And I saw Trolley Snatcher. And you've got to say it like that because <laughs> if you say it with an American accent, you sound like a complete twat <laughs> and Casper also that he was on the bill with Trolley Snatcher and they were great they was fantastic I loved them <laughs> that is like the fifth you've done like five great British accents all distinct like very that, distinct. that was like a street like yeah. very much like a Sid Vicious almost I don't know what that is but it's like I a no either like a th- football know. thug I don't know I <laughs> a hooligan yeah it's like being in the world, the audience, the audience, <laughs> the audience of the World Cup. Yeah. Hey, audience. Golf claps. Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> you guys have been great. Yeah. Here's a goal. <laughs> um, do you? Okay. You you sort of touched upon this a little bit, but you said when you were growing up, you, you, the music you liked was different from your friends. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into that? They did. They weren't. You're saying Etta James, and mm-hmm. they weren't into that. Well, you know the movie The Help. I do. Uh, that was me. I was Skeeter. We had uh, a wonderful woman named Lola Mae English mm-hmm. who, you know, was my friend. And I hung out with her practically all the time. And she listened to the local R&B station, which was KGFJ. Mm. So that was the music that I cottoned to. And let me tell you, my sister was in the new Christy Minstrels. So we had, we had get ready for it. Hoot nannies in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm telling you, people like Theodore Bacall and the Limelighters and, you know, really great people. And in fact, the characters that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara played in Mighty Wind, that was my cousin Marcia and her husband Clark. Mm. That was them. <laughs> wow. They were that couple that, and they had some notoriety here in Los Angeles. Um, and I hated folk music. I mean, I was like seven years old, but I mean, there was one song that said it all. It was like, what's that I hear now ringing in my ears? I've heard it all before. It's the sound of freedom calling. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck that shit, you know? <laughs> I just hated it. It was so fucking earnest. But, I mean, I appreciated the harmonies. I could recognize the beauty of that, but... Oh, I just hated that message. It was just had to stick a pin in that. Yeah. Um, but R and B, I just 
love. That that spoke to me. So that's why I think I was attracted to that sound. That's great. Yeah, I like I like when I like finding out how people, you know, it's so interesting how some people they're like, "Oh, my my dad was a drummer." Yeah. Well, I mean, did you see 700 Sundays? Billy Crystal. I saw some of it. I I feel like it's on HBO a lot, so I'll yeah, his family like, had and a then record I went, label. Did you know his family oh, I had a I record know that. label? I didn't see that part. label. Billy Holiday used to take him to the movies when he was a little kid. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you just never know about people. It's an amazing story. I'll watch that. that. Silence. I only watched the. I only watched the Fernando on? part. <laughs> we're just we're just soaking that in that Billy Crystal. Uh, he he would be a good Whale Cave guest. <laughs> yes, he was. He, he would be, be a great Whale Cave. Yeah, he would be amazing yeah. for sure. All right, let me get on it. Let's get on that. Let me, let me make it so number one. Him Jagger. Okay, yeah. I've got I've got schedules lined up. Mm-hmm. Well, Jagger's doing his own podcast now. Jagger's Daggers is a podcast. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's spun off. He Damn spun it. it off. Everything happens so fast. <laughs> he has well, troubled teens on as his guests. <laughs> the internet. Right. He's like Dr. Drew. He just like gives them sage oh. advice. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know Dr. we're joking, Drew. guys, but this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Sometimes you hit the thing. It's like when Steve Jobs developed. Yeah, when you know it, you, when you hit it, you hit it, and you know yeah. that. It yeah. It feels gold. right. It just feels it's right. This feels gold. right to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. You're like, of course. It's a rich vein. It's a <laughs> it very is. rich vein. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's tap that vein. It's mine that <laughs> For blood? Gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, man, okay, I feel like you have a million stories, but I don't... Uh, I... So I want a piece on my leg. Well, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I've I've tapped the rich vein for so long. <laughs> I, I can keep tapping it. <laughs> now it's getting weird. We don't want to bore saying, everybody. We want to no. leave them laughing. No, we're not leave boring anybody. But um, I really appreciate you coming here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. We have Jagger's Daggers to work on next. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lorraine Newman, folks. Oh, man. That was great. Lorraine Newman. Yeah. That was terrific. Honestly, I, I genuinely could have talked to her. Like, this could have been eight hours long. It could have been. I think we were we started to feel self-conscious about the fact that we were nerding out and we could have just sat here all day. And so we were yeah. like, like guiltily, like, uh, let's, let, let's let Lorraine get on her with her day. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but she was terrific. And that's exactly why I wanted to keep doing the show. Because that, I mean, that was really cool. Yeah. So hope you guys really enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. Uh, once again, um, email here, Matt, M-A-T-T, at whalecave.com or Twitter at whalecave. Um, we got more coming. We got some more whale caves coming, folks. So yes. Yes to that. Yeah. Big and, yes. Big up. And also, uh, we're going to be uh, pitching Jaggers Daggers. <laughs> look for that. So look for that. Scholastic 2016. <laughs> All right, thanks.